Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom time, financial, location, and health freedom. And I'm always looking for guests that are doing cutting edge things, mindset, business, entrepreneurs, investors. And so today we have actually um, Carla Robertson, and she describes herself as the executive's mental agility coach. And this is going to be really interesting because we're talking about mental agility. Um, We'll talk about different mindsets, And um, so I'll let Carla introduce herself and we'll go from there. So Carla, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And um, it's a pleasure to be here to talk about my favorite subject because I love to see people who are great at what they do, not sabotage themselves uh, because of narratives and stories and how they can build the internal fortitude to handle what life throws at you. And that, you know, you can look at everything that happens as a gift or opportunity if you choose to. And I'm going to go into that a little bit. I've been an um, executive coach for 23 years. I came out of the corporate industry and I made the leap into entrepreneurism and opened up my own company back in 1999 when I never looked back. Have I had some tough years? Yes, I have. Have I made mistakes? Yes, I have. And I probably will continue to do it. So uh, it's how we learn, right? So if everything keeps going along the way it's always been, you don't learn anything new. So obstacles provide our brains to be creative, to think of new things and so forth. So uh, what I did notice during my career, I was I came from sales and I was a top producer in the country in two industries. And I met a lot of great people. I stand on the shoulders of great people and I learn from everybody. And one thing I learned, talented people all had also a talent for sabotaging themselves by things that they did or said or the way they thought of it. I got into neuroscience and integrated that into my practice starting like 2008. And I love neuroscience because to me, it's ground zero. I mean, you can have techniques, you can have skills, you can have all the apps in the world. You need to build that internal fortitude and that mindset, that agile mindset to adapt and flow with what life throws at you, and especially nowadays. So it's easy to get mired down in what isn't the way you'd like it to be. And the thing is, you know, the saying, it is what it is. And I say, it is what it is, but it's not what it could be. And so, you know, you have the opportunity to to do that. 
when you're very skilled in something, you know, understand you're very gifted and you're physicians and so forth. So very gifted people. We're not gifted in everything. You know, I mean, I'm gifted in what I do. I'm not gifted in everything. What helps is that I, whenever I work with my clients, it's what is the life you're trying to live into? So it's good to have that destination postcard sketched out a little bit. Like what is, what are my day-to-day decisions supposed to lead me toward? And so when you define that destination postcard, when you define that big picture for yourself, it gives you a litmus test to measure your options that you run into as you move through your life. Even if you zig when you should have zagged and you made a mistake, there's the three gifts technique. And it's the three gifts technique. um, And this is based on the work of Shirzad Shamin, uh, positive intelligence, if you've heard of him. And the basic premise of that is that everything that happens can be turned into a gift or opportunity. You may not see it right away, but it's there if you mine for the gold. And so the three gifts technique is the gift of knowledge. So this thing happened. And neuroscience tells us that it's not about it. It's about the meaning we make of it that determines what happens next. So something can happen and you make meaning of it. Oh, and you may turn on yourself. You may turn on others. You may turn on the situation or some combination of all those. So the three... One of the gifts is the gift of knowledge. Since this happened, what can I learn from it that I can apply going forward? Or it's the gift of power. Since this happened, what kind of power does this give me to strengthen me and strengthen my muscle to dive into where I got to go or to redirect or to pivot or whatever the case may be? And then the third gift is inspiration. And that is, had this thing not happened, I wouldn't be inspired to do this other thing. So we can find an inspiration to shift gears or or serve in a different way or serve ourselves or whatever the case may be. So you want to think about, you know, after initial impact, because we're humans, look, bad things happen. We're going to have initial impact. That's who we are. The key rebound, your resilience. Can you bounce to you know, all balls bounce to the floor? But if you have enough air in there, you have that internal fortitude, you will bounce up high. Building the work that I do with people, executives and their teams and private clients who hire me, they want to build that internal fortitude so that they can adapt to what's coming and learn and take this and bounce back. Okay, so it's that recovery time. How quick do we recover? World-class athletes know this. Okay, make a mistake, get set for the next point. Don't labor over it. Live, learn, and move on. Okay, so um, did you want to say anything at this point or do you want me to continue? Oh, this this is great. Um, I really like this idea of um, mental agility. And um, I know one of your big ideas, which is um, you talk about the need to become a better surfer, which is interesting to me when I read that. What, what do you mean by mm-hmm. that? We can't control the wind and the waves, but we can become better surfers. Look, life's going to toss you around. The winds are going to come out of the north. They're going to come out of the south. You're not going to see it coming sometimes, right? We all go through that. So we can't control that. And rather than worry about what you don't control, focus on what you do. When you find yourself in the storm, 
adjust your feathers. That's what eagles do when they, they sense a storm coming. Their feathers actually adjust so they can use the power of the storm to loft above it and to find a place of safety or actually power them to where they got to go. So becoming a better surfer is learning how to ride that wave, keep your stability, see a clear shot to the horizon. And if you wipe out, you've built that internal fortitude to get up on a board and catch the next wave. We are all going to wipe out, okay, to some degree. And so we have to develop an internal practice of having empathy for ourselves, empathy for others. And empathy is the one thing that uh, I find most executives actually need to work on empathy for self and very high uh, achieving types as well. Uh, they don't cut themselves any slack, right? And it, does, it doesn't mean that you absolve yourself of the responsibility of being better. It means that, okay, I didn't, what can I learn from that? Let me give myself a little bit of a break here. And what am I learning from this, from this thing? A lot of people say, yeah, but if you have empathy, that means you're letting everybody off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I go, no, there's empathy and expectation, an intersection of empathy and expectation. The executives have to hear this particularly, but um, it doesn't mean you let the expectation down. You don't clobber yourself or others over the head and then expect them to, you know, for high performance. Science has shown that it's not a good, not a good recipe. When you are thinking about living into that aspiration, what have you learned so far? What works for you? You've got to know yourself. What meaning do I tend to make of things? Do I have saboteurs or sabotaging narratives in my head? Oh, that's not going to work. You know, you know, what's the matter with you? The judge is the harshest saboteur, judges us harshly. And then it has nine accomplice saboteurs. This is the work of Shazat Shamin again. Sometimes we have um, a victim voice. Nothing I can do about it. This is just the way it is. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. Yeah, that might work for you, but it doesn't work for me. That's the voice of the victim saboteur. Controller is like, I got to control everything. If I don't control everything, it's not going to get done. So I got to do everything because it's not going to get done. And then the pleaser. Pleaser gets to you know connect with people. They get affection by doing for others, saying yes to everything, to but detriment of themselves. They flatter, they serve, they do, they say yes, and then they get resentful. That's when you know you've gone too far. There's nothing wrong with pleasing people, nothing wrong with that. It's when you do it to the exclusion of yourself and then you miss out and, and so forth. So building this internal fortitude to become a better surfer is about catching yourself before you spiral. And there are practices to do that. And some of the practices, uh, mini, what I would call, or what Shirzad Shamim would call mini meditations. And these are sensory. They're always sensory visualizations where you, you know, your fingertips or you pay attention to sound or smell or something. It only takes like maybe 30 to 60 seconds. And what it does is it gets your brain to go from the, um, saboteur circuitry that goes to your base uh, brainstem and uh, limbic system and the survival mode into the empathy circuitry, excuse me, circuitry and the, uh, the part of your brain that generates creativity, possibilities, et cetera.
believe it or not, you do this practice enough, get yourself out this aspect of clobbering yourself on the head and judging and, oh, you did bad and you're stupid and this and that. What's the matter with you? You know, um, the hyperachiever starts to tell you, if you're not achieving, you're not worth anything. But if you can get into this mode to get clarity and centered, you can see a clear view out to the horizon and ask yourself, what is most important here? You know, you navigate out to your wiser elder self and you say, in this situation, what is most important here? What do I have to let go of or stop worrying about? Because worry takes you around in circles and deposits you where you left off, where you started. Fear, which, you know, humans operate out of two emotions only when you peel it all back, fear and love. That's it. And I don't mean romantic love. I mean, you know, a pure love. What happens is that fear is a good consultant, but a very poor leader. And so fear is given to us for a reason. It's good. It's all it's saying is pay attention to this and then let your sages, that sage mentality and that wise self go through that. I mean, think about, you know, our sabotaging voices good for us. The same amount of time as it takes for you to put your, if you have your hand on a stove, how long do you have to leave that hand there before you know you have to pull it off? Probably a nanosecond, right? Or a second. That's the same thing. Your emotions, people have a weird relationship with emotions and think, particularly very logical people, they think they just have to live in that part of their brain. And the thing is, we have a whole brain. And it was given to us for a reason. So make friends with the emotional part of your brain because they're like UPS messengers. They're trying to deliver a message to you. And you got, and just like UPS or, or Amazon, you can open it up, say, yeah, that's what I need. That's why I order. Or, nah, I don't need that. You can send it back. Okay. So remember that emotions are your friends. They're telling you how you feel about what you've learned rationally. Make no mistake, 80 to 90% of our decision-making comes from our emotional brain. And we use our logical side of our brain to create justifications, rational justifications for what we want to do emotionally. So you need to be aware of that. What do you think, Chris, so far? Uh, it's quite interesting, um, especially uh, with this idea of you know excuses your rational, these are all things, you know, for example, if you eat the wrong foods or, you know, don't get enough sleep or don't get enough exercise, you know, we, and procrastination as well. That's why you see a lot of people at the beginning of the year, all of the gyms are packed, you know, for the first week or two. <laughs> After that, it's just, you know, empty, it becomes empty. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. Which is, uh, oh. I know you mentioned uh, initial simple practices. What are some other practices that um, listeners can begin to practice and what will what can derail them? Remember that um, life comes at us very quickly. And I think you have to, again, it really helps to have a plan. Uh, and then you work that plan, you know? Not to say you can't change that plan, but... You, you can think about things, you can talk about things, you can read about things, you must take action. 
micro actions together will get you to where you want to go. And, you know, this is a financial freedom, right? So when you think about I me, mean, nothing's more, you know, nerve wracking than, you know, your finances, right? And uh, uh, very challenging. And so you, you can gather all the data that you need. And remember that you're going to feel something about that emotionally. Great book to read on this very thing is a book by Jonah Lehrer called How We, De- How we Decide. It's a fascinating book on how humans make decision-making and how our brains can trick us, depending on what we're talking about. And financial is, is one of them. So, you know, you want to surround yourself with bright people like Chris, and you want to sit down and, and really, like I said before, get that picture that what's the life you are trying to live into. And I don't mean just financial. I mean, what do you want to be doing? How, what's most valuable to you? What is most important about every decision you make financially or otherwise? And you get very quiet and you picture this wiser elder self of yours and you go out and you talk with them and you have an opportunity to ask a question. I mean, this may seem a little odd, but let me tell you, executives do this and it really is helpful, right? They get clarity fairly quickly about what's most important here and what's their next step, because then you have to activate. What can derail you? Because you can get do all this work beforehand, you get very excited and you're about to activate and guess what happens? Guess who comes to visit you? The judge, the master saboteur, and all the accomplice saboteurs that are highest for you, because there's about nine of them. And there's a very, there's a free uh, assessment that you can take uh, that can tell you what saboteurs are most active for you right now and how much of your time you spend in saboteur versus sage mode, generally speaking, every day. It's it's important to think about when you're moving from this preparation you've explored, you've innovated, you've thought about, hmm, how else can I see this? You know, what else are possibilities? And now you're ready to go. And those old voices come back, oh, really? You really want to do this? You think you're really going to be successful doing this? Come on. We we saw it happen last time. Stick with us because your saboteurs are going to fight for you. They've been with you a long time. So they're going to fight for you. And so this is why you have to engage your sages and they're there for you. And you have to do that practice to disrupt that voice and redirect to something that's actually helpful to you. And you start small. On one thing, what keeps getting in your way? I asked Chris before we got on on the line here, I said, what is a theme? What are themes that keep coming up for your audience that get in their way and so forth? And I think you want to think about that. And what are those, what do I keep running into? What is that circle, that dance I keep doing? You want to get to a different part of the dance floor? Change your steps, change your dance steps. Little by little, where's the first place? What if, what sabotaging voice whispers the loudest that gets in your way? And what has been your experience and what gets you out? Because you have sages inside of you, and I'm sure you engage them sometimes. So I want you to think about that, too. This has been a really fantastic conversation. Uh, you're, you clearly have a lot of experience, and uh, I know a lot of the audience 
are interested in visiting your website and um, following you. So how can they do that? Yeah. So you can visit my website. It's uh, Carla. Uh, have I've written a book called The Agile Marketive, and uh, that's available available on Amazon. The Agile-Minded Executive, and, and uh, on a journey. Um, and it turns out it's a bit of a companion. Uh, you don't necessarily have to start at the beginning, but you can. And it's about each chapter is about two or three pages, and they have a mind shift box at the end of each chapter. And it's going to ask you questions. And if you can just take your time with it, some people read through it from you know beginning to end, and they went back and really spent time with it. And it's a very story that um, talks about you know uh, sort of a backdrop for where I come from on this. So uh, you can schedule an appointment with me through my website. You'll see. Uh, booking. There's a tab there. And I have some articles posted there. I also have um, some videos, short videos on YouTube. And uh, you can put my name in there and you see my videos and pick them up there as well. Yeah. And you can certainly call me at 734. And my email is Carla. Really easy. Just my name all over the place. <laughs> For all the listeners out there, Carla's uh, links and resources will be in the show notes. You're frozen. Thanks so much, and we look forward to hearing from you again. You're frozen. I hope you really enjoyed that wonderful, inspirational, motivational piece. Again, if you, wherever you are listening, if you liked it, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe. We're on everywhere: Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, Audible. Without much ado, be sure to thank this show's sponsors, and we'll see you next week.